Worship team. All right, well, let's jump right in it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day to all you guys. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are continuing our time of jumping into God's word and letting it apply to us. And last week, do y'all remember what the sermon title was last week? Last week? Ignite change. Thank you. And I didn't even tell her. She already knew that one. But we talked about last week the, the thieves, right? The thieves on the cross where one was reluctant to change, one embraced change. One thief was able to realize the things that he couldn't change. He couldn't get himself off the cross, right? He was stuck. But he did realize that he could change his attitude and change his heart. And as we come through this year, igniting the change of what God is telling us what he wants to change in us. It reminds me of a quote by Jimmy Dean, the great Jimmy Dean. He says, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. We can't control the wind. We can't control the temperature outside. It's really not a lot that we can control. But the thing that we can control is what is up in here. The things that we do, our own actions. We also saw from the other thief, the one that was reluctant to change, he changed even though he had Jesus right there in his midst. Can you imagine that? You know, I, I'm pretty sure to a man or woman, if you're like, hey, if Jesus is right there with me, hey, I would repent in a heart, heartbeat, right? I would change. I would be more patient. I would be more compassionate. I'd be more fill in the blank. And this thief, he had that opportunity. He had Jesus right there, feet away from him. You think about us. How many prayers have we heard? How many prayers have we heard answered? And sometimes we're still reluctant to change. How many times have we sung words like standing on? Or don't you want to go to that land? Unto thee, O Lord. How many times have we sung countless worship songs, but we're still reluctant to repent? How many times have we opened up the word of God? Heard it, read it out loud, but still been reluctant to change. Prayerfully, everyone who walked away from our time last week is going after change in something in your life. Be it deeper Bible study, consistent prayer, more fellowship with the body. You know, some of us is different skills like learning another language. Or maybe learning how to play the guitar or the drums or whatever the case may be. But I do pray that we are embracing change. And I do, I want to call your attention to a couple things. We, we showed the announcement earlier of a couple intentional times that we want to have as a body. And one of them is happening at 2.15 today. And that's our Disciple Maker series. And so for those that don't know what this is, we announced it last week. But this is for anyone that didn't get the opportunity to study the Bible, members 
that didn't get to study the Bible with somebody last year. All of 2018, we didn't open up the scriptures and study the Bible with someone. This is also for those that may have studied the Bible with someone, shared the scripture, the gospel with someone, but don't feel comfortable taking someone that just walked through the doors and helping them get to the waters of baptism. But this is also open to friends if you're visiting. If you want to learn how to use the word of God to help transform maybe your own life, but also lives of others. And this will be from 2.15 to 3.30. We will have child care available. We are asking for a donation of $5 per child. If you're having some trouble with that, please talk with someone uh, and we can help you out as far as within that. But we're going to be doing this for the next four weeks. And actually, we changed that February 24th and the February 3rd date or the March 3rd date to consecutive weeks. So we're going to go from January 20th all the way to February 10th now. So for the next four weeks, you can count on us being in the, in the teen room from 2.15 to 3.30, learning how to be disciple makers. Amen? Amen. We're also going to have a be, a be a Godly Man series. This is more for the men, right? I know the title might have given it away, right? But starting this Monday at 7 o'clock, this, is, this series is for members, friends, families alike. Be a godly man. Because what does society tell men who they should be? They should be mindless. They should be womanizers. They should just go after their career but not be as passionate at their homes. That's not what God tells us to be. So we're going to do a five-week series starting this Monday. And this is, this is especially, especially for any man that wants to be godly, which is most of us, right? So that's going to be an opportunity for us to dive deeply into the word of God and be who he has made us to be. Amen? So I'm looking forward to both of those opportunities. But today, we're going to focus on one of the statements Jesus made roughly about seven statements while he was on the cross hanging. And we're going to focus on this statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, you don't have to turn there. It'll be up, uh, up here on the screen. It says, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, laba sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus while he was hanging on the cross not too far away from death. And he was saying this statement. And this statement may be one that we're familiar with, not just because of reading the word, because we may have said that ourselves, right? We might have said those same words, or it might have been a little different. In our own words, it might have been, God, why did you let this happen? God, I thought you loved me. God, if you really care for me, then why am I in so much pain? God, why did you let this innocent child die so young? God, are you really in control? These are questions that we ask that has a similar tune that our Savior Jesus asked while he was on the cross. 
of God, why have you forsaken me? We scream out these questions to God from a place of deep pain because we lack the understanding that God has up above. But we're going to see as we dive into this scripture that when Jesus said this, this came from a place of deep pain for mankind. And he had complete understanding of what God was doing. Because sometimes when we're in that place of pain or we're in that place of suffering, we just don't understand what's happening, right? We don't understand why the suffering is happening. Why God is is doing it? Or is is it God that's doing it? I want us to see today that this scripture that Jesus was quoting, it had intent. He was quoting Psalms chapter 22, verse 1, which we're going to look at in a while. But let me ask you guys, I'm going to get some of your input real quickly. Why do you think, what, what do you think Jesus' intent was in quoting this passage in Psalm 22, verse 1? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we've got to fulfill a, a prophecy, right, of him being on the cross. Any other thoughts? Steve? Okay, so even the thought of why did you leave? Why did you leave me? Why are you separated from me, Jonathan? Yeah, maybe it's just an emotional outburst, right? This was something that was going on in his heart, going on in his mind, so he said it out. Uh, last two, Seal and then Alicia. Miss Seal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe it was an actual separation where since he had the sins of the world on him, sacrifice being the sacrifice, maybe that made a chasm between him and God. Less. He's going to say the same thing. Hey, y'all must be sisters, huh? I must be sisters from another mother. But let's read Psalm 122 real quickly or 22 verse 1. And as you guys are standing there, or as you guys are turning there, one thing that we will see is that God is very intentional in what he's doing. Amen? He never does anything haphazardly. He never does anything without care. In Psalm 22, verse 1, It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and I am silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. Verse five, they cried out to you and were saved in you. They trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man scorned by men and despised by the people. 
All who see me mock me. They herald insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Verse nine, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast upon you. From my father's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, for there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all the bones. People stare. I count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Verse 19, but you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All the descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Let's stop right there. You know, Jesus was very intentional. Why Psalms 22, verse 1? Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One thing after reading this that I see is that he was not conveying that God forgot about him or turned his back on him, which we're going to look back at, and I'm going to tell you why. And he wasn't conveying that he could not see God or he was separated from God. Because what did we just read in Psalms 22, verse 24? It says, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one, which was Christ, right? He was not hidden. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. You know, one of the things that is happening here, I want you to put yourself back some 2,000 years ago to Jesus' time. Do y'all remember what festival they were celebrating during this time, during the cross? It was the Passover. So they had Jews coming from all over the world so they could celebrate being freed from slavery and leaving Egypt going through the Red Sea, and eventually the next generation going into the promised land. And one thing about devout Jews is that guess what they know? They know their scripture. They know the Old Testament very well because that was their scripture. 
So it's almost like songs right now. Some songs I can say the beginning of and you guys, y'all might can pick up with it. Right. Like if I were to say we are the world. Children. Oh, y'all remember. We are the world. We are the children. The old song by the stars of the 80s. Jesus was using this while he was on the cross with so little energy. He pointed them to the beginning of this song. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then they were able to think and fill in the blank what was happening. That's what we're going to talk about today. Because some of the things that we may think. And I know that I've been taught is that, man, he's saying this because he's separated from God. He had the sins of the world on him. But as we saw last week, Jesus was able to give salvation while he was on the cross. He was able to tell the thief that, hey, you're going to have you're going to be with me in paradise. If God were not with him, he wouldn't be able to grant salvation. It reminds me of John chapter 10, verse 30, where Jesus says that I and the father are one. When you're one, you can't be separated, right? You're always going to be together. So we see it's, it's not that he was trying to convey that, man, this sin is on me. I, I'm not able to see the father because we got to remember that he still committed no sin, right? He had no sin. He was the sacrifice for sin. He was taking that sin upon himself to do away with it. But he still had committed no sin. What was Jesus doing? What was his intent by using Psalm 22, verse 1? He wanted to connect the dots for the onlookers, for those Jews. To that to he who was the anointed one. Because they still held doubt, right? They still held doubt. If I'd known that Jesus was the anointed one and I was making insults with, to him, I think I would stop coding my tracks, right? And it was like if I tried to make fun of someone and I just then you figure out, hey, did you know that that guy is royalty? Like, oh, wait a second now. I Hey, sorry about that, man. Sorry, Holly. I didn't, I didn't mean to say all those things about you, man. You royalty, brother. You know, I know you're the prince of Zamunda, whatever the case may be, right? <laughs> and you go back and you try to eat your words. What was Jesus trying to do? Jesus trying to help those that were surrounding him were primarily Jews with, you know, some of the Roman soldiers there as well. I want you to think about this song. I want you to continue playing the lyric in your head, as we saw with We Are the World, and to see that I will trust God no matter what. That I am the fulfillment of the scriptures. What did Luke chapter 24, verse 44 say? As Jesus was talking to the disciples, he told them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. This is after he was resurrected. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Now, as Monroe had said earlier, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. 
Jesus going to the cross was a fulfillment of what God had planned from the very beginning. But many did not see that. Sometimes even in our own life, right, some things happen and we don't know what the end looks like. But God is trying to implore us that, hey, I got this. I know you lost your job. I know this relationship may may be on the rocks. I know that your marriage may not be doing well. But hold on to me. Hold on to my word. Hold on to the gospel. Because if you continue to hold on, I will see you through. Amen. This what Jesus was trying to show. This is the picture that Jesus was trying to show the Jews. They knew these scriptures. He knew that they were devout. He knew that if he could just start them off, that at some day they would be able to catch what God was doing. He also knew that some of the words that they had even said went along with this passage. Look at this. Look at this similarity here. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 33, the onlookers said to Jesus, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. What does Psalm 22, verse 8 say? He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Y'all see any similarities between those two statements? Matthew 27, verse 43 happened just a few moments before Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God was helping. Jesus was helping them to see that. I still trust God. That this is all within the plan that my father has played out from the very beginning which will lead them to the next part of Psalm. Psalm 22, verse 16 through 18, it says, Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Jesus was serious when he says the scriptures testify of me. And so you think in being one of the Jews that were surrounding Jesus and you hear him say, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? You're like, oh, now he's quoting scripture. But then start thinking about, oh, man, what what has transpired? Yeah, I just heard somebody in the crowd say, hey, come down. Let's see if God is going to rescue you. Wait, that's in that that's in that same song. Wait, is it, as I continue to play the psalm in my head, wait a second now. The soldiers, they were dividing up his garments, casting lots for Jesus' clothes, which is in Matthew 27, verse 35. Wait, wait a second. This Psalm 22 says that David was writing that the person there had his hands pierced and his feet pierced. I'm looking at Jesus and that's how he's on the cross right now. 
Y'all realize how wonderful our God is, how intentional our God is. And if he can do this with Jesus in Jesus' lives, his life, why can't he do that for you? Why can't he fill in the blanks for you if you can just hold on and trust in his word? Find out what his word says and then trust in it. Trust that he'll help you overcome pain and suffering. Trust that if I continue to obey, like Chris was talking about earlier, if I continue to obey, God will be pleased with that. Not just going through the motions, but having our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole body, our whole soul invested into what God wants us to be. Verse 24, as we read earlier, as you think about those Jews, as they were reciting and thinking about this song, maybe starting to slow down the insults, starting to, to think a little bit more about what is truly going on. Then as they kind of go through the, the psalm there, verse 24 says, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And they might have been a little cynical of this statement. They're like, well, he's still on the cross, right? God must not hear him. He's still on the cross. Sometimes we feel that way as we're going through the pains, we're going through the suffering that God don't hear me. We're just still in the storm, right? And what did Jesus say earlier in his ministry in Matthew chapter 7? He said, all of us are going to go through storms, right? All of us are going to go through those times in life where we're going to question why we're here. We're going to question, is God here? Jesus told us that beforehand and reminded us, you make sure that you build your house on my words. Because when those storms come, When those waves start crashing in, you're going to be still standing. And Jesus ended up exemplifying that. Because what happened? Even though he went to the grave, he was still standing because God raised him. What is God trying to raise you from today? What is God trying to free you from today? That only if we continue to obey, continue to hold on, continue to walk, that we can see the resurrection on the other side. That we can see what ended up happening at the end of this song and the parallels of that in our own lives. Because as we continue to read this song, let's pick up in Psalm 22, verse 25. You guys still with me? Hopefully it's not blowing your mind at all, but hopefully it is. In verse 25 of Psalm 22, it says, From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They will seek the Lord, will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of nations will bow down before him. 
for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Verse 29, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him and future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. The end of that song, he has done it, sounds eerily similar to the last words of Jesus before he gave up his spirit. It is finished. It's complete. It's done. What I've come to do is over. Jesus, when he says it is finished, and for those good Jews that knew the Old Testament, that worked their way through, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All the way to the last words, that he has done it. And that connection is that Jesus, he's done it. That Jesus, he's finished it. And I think about our lives. I think about you guys that he wants to finish it with you. He wants to bring his salvation to completion with you. He wants to help us overcome our impurity. He wants us to overcome our pride and our selfishness, our lying spirit at times, our anger. Our times where we're slow to apologize. Our times, as I was sharing with um, my partners, was praying, the times of not being compassionate. He wants to come tell me that I can finish that for you. I can do that for you. Then you may be going through your mind right now. Is that do I believe that God can help me overcome? Can God help me overcome the peer pressure of being in high school and listening to God when everyone else may not be? Can I overcome the temptation to cheat on my taxes just so I can get a little bit more money back? Can I overcome the temptation of unbelief that God doesn't want the best for me. Jesus is saying this, I can do that. I can help you overcome. God can help you overcome. We, Jesus, God can help you overcome. Guys, do you believe that? Do you believe that God can help you overcome whatever is going on, whatever you're thinking in your mind right now? Knowing that he can help you overcome. That if we prostrate ourselves humbly, eyes down, God, you are the one that he will lift us up. Guys, I, I got two, one thing, two things from this lesson today is, number one, sometimes we just got to remember why we're here. 
It's not just to go get a job. It's not just to go get a work. It's not just to go collect some money. It's not just to pay bills and amen for that. That's not why we're here. It's just to do those things. But please do those things, right? Acts 17, verse 26 through 27, it says, From one man God made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that what? We would seek him and what? Perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. That's God's plan. That's the reason why you're here. Not just here in these seats right now, but this is why you're here on earth. It's so that you can have a relationship with God. That's the reason. And Jesus wanted those onlookers to see. He said, no, it's not just about quoting scripture. It's not just about what you know. It's about living it out and having an authentic relationship with God. Amen. We try to ask God for things at times, and, and sometimes we just don't even know him yet. So we're not asking the right things. God says, hey, come get to know me first. Then start praying, because then your prayers are going to be more in line with what he has for you. Amen. But secondly, after we remember why we're here, To remember his words while you're bearing your cross. Remember God's words when you're bearing your cross. When you're going through the pain, when you're going through the challenges, when you're going through the sufferings, remember what his word says. Remember what he said in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Amen. To remember Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt, exalt over you with loud singing. Amen. To remember what he said in Matthew Chapter 28, verse 20. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And remember Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are the words of God. These are the words of our Savior. These are the words that we're banking on. These are the words of why Chris is going to take some time off to walk with God. These are the words of why you're showing up here today, because we know that God will not forsake those who love him. Amen. You know, let's look at this image. This is what's happening. If you can't see what's happening in life right now, this is what's happening. God is reaching out for you. God is trying to get your attention. God is sending people in your life. It might be family. It might be friends. It might be a total stranger. He's sending people to you, trying to get your attention, trying to get you to remember why you are here, trying to get you to remember his words, trying to get you to remember to persevere because it's going to be worth it. Amen. Just just thinking about as we close up today and the worship team can get ready to come up and. Uh, be able to uh, 
to close out in song. God is always looking to convince us that his plan is to remove doubt that he will do anything to display his love to us. He don't want us to doubt that he loves us. He don't want us to doubt that he desires to have a relationship with us. Who is someone you know that is living life with no idea of this truth? No idea that God wants to love them. That wants to love them through the pain. That wants to love them through the suffering. Who does God want you to reach out to? that has no idea of how to respond. Maybe they they know about God and his love, but they have no idea of how to respond to this magnificent truth. Let's go and think about that person. Let's call. Let's set up dinner. Let's set up lunch. Let's set up coffee with that person. Let's share what we know because of what we get from the word. And we know that even when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not saying that he was any way in doubt of what God was going to do. But he was using that as a reminder that may it may look bleak right now. In some of our situations, it may look bleak right now. But that if I continue to hold on, if I continue to live out the scriptures, if I continue to live out what God has for me, That in the end, I will be resurrected. And in in the end, we will be with God one day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.